Hello and welcome to Pairing, a podcast where we pair wine with art and pop culture. I am your host, Emma Scherzarko, and this is our second audience questions episode, Quarantine Edition. You all brought it for this one with some awesome and a few very tough questions, and it was really fun for me to do a little bit of research and also to get to ask all of you what you're drinking during this quarantine. This actually turned into one of my favorite episodes so far in terms of wine education and content, so I hope you enjoy. And I hope also that everyone is staying safe, well, and relatively sane given the circumstances. I loved hearing from y'all for this episode, so please feel free to shoot us an email at pairingpodcast at gmail.com, tweet at us at pairingpodcast, or contact us via our website, thepairingpodcast.com. Whether it's with questions or just to let us know that you're alive and drinking, we want to hear from you. A huge thank you to all of our patrons, and especially to our producer-level patrons, Emma Cohen, Rena Sarame, Zoo Yorker, Allison Turi, and Jacob Penfold, who all probably know what fairy wine is, and to our advanced producer, Michael Beck, whom we love more than a good vermouth cocktail. It really means so much to me to have the support of our patrons in this trying time. You're all really just the bee's knees. It feels weird to ask for support in this financially challenging time for so many, but if you feel able to and compelled to support us, come check us out at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast. If you'd like to support us and also get some wine, check out our sponsor for this week, Wink. I'll tell you all about it later on, but if you want $22 off your first order of wine that will be delivered right to your door as you quarantine yourself safely in your home— just head on over to trywink.com slash pairingpodcast. And one last shameless self-plug. My first audiobook that I narrated, Shadowborn by Moira Katzen, is now available on Audible. This audiobook is entirely self-produced, so I recorded and edited the whole thing myself, all for no pay up front. I only see money from it if the book sells, so if you wouldn't mind using an Audible credit for it, that would mean the world to me. I'll throw the link to it in the show notes along with the other platforms where it's available. I'm currently working on narrating the next two books in the series, and I'd love for folks to check out the first one. If you like fantasy, you'll love it. So thank you in advance. Without further ado, here is episode 61, Your Wine Questions, Quarantine Edition. Hello. Here we are. How's your quarantine going? I hope you're safe. I hope you're safe. I hope you're well. I know a few of our listeners have fallen sick to COVID-19, and I'm. we're just thinking of you and hoping that you're doing okay. Yeah, I wish you a speedy recovery. Yeah, yeah, it's just awful. And, you know, I mean, it's a. It's just a horrible situation. There's not, not much else you can say about it. I mean, we could dig into it more, but let's not. Let's talk about some of the nicer things that are happening right now. Yeah. Like drinking. Yeah. And reading books and watching shows. Eat, and... drink, and be merry for yeah. tomorrow we may die. Exactly. Ooh. Um, literally. Literally. Yeah. <laughs> so this is going to be kind of a, I'm, I'm kind of killing two birds with one stone, which is a phrase I don't 
like. But um, <laughs> but with this episode, because I've gotten some requests both for another audience question episode and for a quarantine episode or a quarant wine episode. <laughs> to I'm, be fair, to I'm, be fair. I'm ashamed for you. I, to be fair, I did not. I did not. I'm the fir- not the first one to, to come up with that pun. You should all be ashamed. No, no. Be proud. So I'm going to actually start out with because I asked all of you what you were drinking during this quarantine. And um, and I, th- I figure we should talk about, you know, also what we've been drinking, sure. which is pretty much the same as normal, just maybe more. Yeah, more, <laughs> more or less. Yeah. Um, but right now I am drinking. I'm very proud of this. Um, I we braved the super or I braved the supermarket today to get some tequila because all the liquor stores are closed now. Because tequila is considered uh, an essential employee. It is an essential employee during the uh, pandemic. <laughs> yes, especially as it gets warmer, gotta have gotta have tequila. Um, but I'm sort of proud of this. You can hear the, the ice. Yeah. The ice. Very nice. Very nice. Nice. Uh, nice noises. Um, but this is like a sort of grapefruit margarita. Basically a margarita, but with a little less Cointreau and made with grapefruit juice instead of lime juice. I did put a little bit of lime in there. Mm. It's delicious. Sounds like a wonderful drink for not me. Mm-hmm. For all those not me people out there in the world. Yeah. Winston is neither a tequila nor a grapefruit person. So This is true. Not not your thing. I am having a glass of the Curator uh, white wine. Mm-hmm. Which we actually talked about last episode. Oh, very um, nice. It's one of my favorites, and it's you know it's a nice, affordable one right now. So I highly recommend. And is it? It's a blended wine. Yes, it's a blend from South Africa. So it's mostly Chenin Blanc, but I believe it's got a little Sauvignon Blanc in there, and probably a couple other little grapes going on. But it's it's. It's, it's yummy. Really smooth, really drinkable, with just a little bit of that chalky minerality that mm-hmm, I, that I mm-hmm. like in a white wine. Yeah, for um, sure. We've also uh, had a bottle of Kung Fu Girl. Yep, yep, uh, one of our which favorites. Go to Riesling. In, for sure. In the Shashajarko house. In the Shashajarko house. <laughs> Shashajarko. Um, <laughs> obviously, I've been drinking IPAs because I'm basic. We got some some emergency vodka during the grocery we did. store run, we did. so that we may did. that yeah. may make an appearance in my uh, list of regrets. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think that's that's yeah, the main that's been thing. most of what we're. I I'm another another a uh, red wine that I've been really into recently is the um, Belle Rouge. Coteron from Chapoutier. So it's a. I got that for you the other day. You did, right? and I got a couple more bottles of it today because it's it's. I think it's really good for the price, and and Chapoutier is a cool producer, a great great producer in the Rhone Valley. But one cool thing about Chapoutier is that he puts Braille on all of his labels. Oh, that's awesome! Um, because I believe he has a, a a blind either son or nephew or something. So um, so that's cool. So and he's one of the few who do that. So if you see a, a bottle of wine. Uh, label that has Braille on it that's probably Chapoutier and we're actually going to talk about wine labels a little bit later because that was one of the questions that I got Mm. Mm. but let's start with I asked all of you what you were drinking and I got some fun responses general consensus a lot of tea a lot of tea is being consumed. A lot of tea, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. which is which is fair especially if you're not feeling well which probably a lot of people 
are not. My, I, I will say this. My ultimate um, vocal and chest cold mm-hmm. uh, remedy, especially when I was playing a lot of live music, was I would get uh, green tea, chop some fresh ginger, put that in the Ooh. green tea, add honey, and add a little bit of whiskey. Mm-hmm. And you got yourself a hot green tea toddy. Yeah. And that would, I mean, the whiskey really helps you to be able to yeah. belt. And mm-hmm. then um, the toddiness of it just, and the green tea obviously is going gonna, is gonna to help you feel a little bit better. Yeah, when I was sick a few weeks ago, not with the corona, I think. But no, just everything else just that's every, going on. Yeah, exactly. Because um, whenever I'm sick, I really don't want to drink. Like, I, I really don't crave alcohol at all. Right. Um, but I did have a couple of hot toddies, and I think they really helped. Just some tea and whiskey and lemon juice. Yeah. And it was... Yeah, it really depends on how you're feeling, I think. Yeah. But if it's mostly like a congestion, yeah. flame kind of deal, then it can really... And a sore throat, It too. can cut oh, through yeah, a honey, lot of that. Honey, yeah, honey, honey obviously. Yeah, Anything great. that you can put honey in. Yeah. So a lot of, lot of tea, a lot of hot toddies. Um, our once and future guest, Christopher Dole, said that he is doing a virtual Deadwood watching party nice. uh, which is one of our favorites that is my favorite show that's ever been on television so good on you mr dole yeah and um he's he said he's pairing with it normally hard cider or pinot noir or a Cab- cabernet sauvignon and i think cabernet sauvignon is a very al swearinger swearingen 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 i don't know yeah i would also accept any whiskey yeah okay um, of course and I feel like whiskey is generally the the spirit of, yeah, of, of, of quarantine. Of the quarantine, yeah. Because it's surly. <laughs> it is. We're all it surly is. right now. But yes, good on you for watching Deadwood. And I like the pairings. I like I like the Pinot Noir Cab Sauv. Yeah. Um, I feel like what's his name? That uh, oh my god, the sheriff. Is he is he the sheriff? He's the good guy. Yeah, right? yeah. He's um uh Bullock, Seth Bullock. Seth yeah, Seth Bullock. Um, he he's very Pinot Noir. Yeah, I, feel like. I also think the hard cider is a good pairing because you could actually see somebody like making hard cider. Yeah, for sure. At least in that time, probably not in the Badlands of Dakota. Nah, That's probably not where apples grow not, the best. Probably but not. It's, but there's going to be a lot of like homemade moonshine, and hard cider has a proud yeah. tradition of that. Yeah. So um, kudos. All right, some of some of your other responses that I found particularly delightful. Um, I'm not going to say who said them because I didn't ask if I could yeah, say it. Good. So, But when one listener says, mostly I keep finding fractions of a bottle of vodka stashed away in the back of my freezer. So mostly that. Awesome. Any Feel port it. in a storm. Feel it. Yep. Uh, that was like my, my, when I would come home from college, I'd, I'd raid the freezer for vodka. Yeah. And it, I remember at one point my mom was like, so this isn't a judgment, but I've noticed that a lot of the vodka is gone. Because <laughs> <laughs> they actually drink vodka. They so do. They, they do. That yeah. Yeah. Then. I've been also really enjoying, um, as, as we're buying beers and, and storing them in the fridge, I've been enjoying taking them out of their various packs and squirreling them in the fridge wherever yeah. there's room. Because then later when you find it, you're like, oh, it's a treat. It's yeah, like Easter, it's like but for grown Yeah, it's like a scavenger hunt. Yeah, which Easter is just around the corner, right? Yeah. Is it the Sunday? It's sometime it's in some April. It's some Sunday, yeah. yeah. Um, another listener said, had some Cosmos the other night. Classic. Very good. Very good. And have some lovely pear ciders around. Ooh. Love that. Love a peri cider. Um, yeah, fun fact, Perry cider is just a pear cider, ah, I believe. Gotcha. I believe. 
This was one of my favorite responses. I've actually been drinking a Garnacho wine that I wound up trying because of pairing. Would not have known what it was otherwise. I love hey. that. We, we turned there you on. There you go. It turns the people Success. on. Success. Huzzah. Now we can retire and give up this life of crime. Ah, uh, yes. That, that's, that's been the whole goal the whole time, <laughs> you know. One of my favorite responses, wine, but like cheap wine. Good. Which, yes. And so those, those, uh, those wines that we talked about just now, the Curator White and the Chapoutier Cote Rhone, those are some good inexpensive like between 10 and 12 10 and 15 dollars a bottle yeah which i think that's but hey you know what nobody's too good for barefoot bubbly or no i mean or... i i i encourage you oh yeah this was something i wanted to talk about i do encourage you to stay away from like barefoot and yellowtail oh fair enough franzia like stuff like that because it's just not good it's just not good when you're not but, necessarily supporting like a, an independent yeah it's well like, and that's yeah i mean yeah i mean it's catch 22 we're all broke right now we all just got laid off nobody's yeah. got a ton of money yeah. to spend on capitalism is not your fault you no. make do with what you can <laughs> no exactly so you, you if you got to get yellowtail get yellowtail but um i, I did want to give a quick pitch to boxed wine because which is especially good for quarantine quarantines because uh, it lasts for a really long time. So a boxed wine usually is um, four bottles worth of wine. So it's three liters, which is four 750 milliliter bottles. And um, and you, you pour it out of the spout and it reseals itself. So it stays good up to like a month or so. Maybe yeah, I mean I've ne- I've never tested it that long. Um, <laughs> a box of wine has never lasted a month for me. But depending on where you live, there are some really good boxed wines. Like when I was in New York, um, I I used to sell a Corvina, which is a red wine, and Corvina is the grape of um, like Valpolicella, and I loved that shit. And it was like twenty bucks for a box. Maybe a little bit more. Maybe it's twenty bucks my cost. Maybe it's closer to thirty. But still, you're getting three liters of wine. Yeah, you're getting three liters of wine essentially for less than ten dollars a bottle, um, and it's gonna last you longer. So you know, I I'm not a big fan of like black box. That was that was one that I sold a lot of. It's fine. It's not it's not terrible. Um, a couple of the Boda box boxed wines are actually pretty good. I actually really like the Malbec from them. So so that's a good one. And then there are some that, like, are actually, like, really good wine, and they start getting a little bit more expensive, like $40 to $50 for a box. But, again, remember, you're getting four bottles out of that. There's so a lot of value in that. Yeah. So that's, that, that's one thing I wanted to recommend for those of you who are, you know, looking for the cheap wine, which we all are. Somebody said fairy wine. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Please but, elaborate. But I, uh, I love it. I yeah, want it. I want to try it. Um, is it absinthe? Maybe. I, yeah. <laughs> I, hope it, I hope it makes you, like, I don't know, wake up after the pandemic or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I hope Gives so. Gives you a little Rip Van Winkle. I hope so. You'll appreciate this one. Hams, mostly. Yes, yeah. from the land of sky blue waters. <laughs> Trademark. We're a, ham, we're a hams family, not a PBR family. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. Hams, hams is great, and also hams is really good for making... Micheladas. Mm, yeah, micheladas. It's basically the same kind of, you know, light lager as a Corona or a Dos Equis. Yeah, and obviously uh, can't use Corona. You know, yeah. yeah. So, 
by all means, make micheladas with hams, but also there's no shame in just crushing a $7.12 pack of hams yeah. with your buddies. Again. Or, you know, in desperate circumstances, yeah. by yourself yeah. over a certain amount of time. Yeah. Please drink responsibly. I've never been there, but you know, no, I can no, imagine never, circumstances never, where ever. somebody would be reading yeah. a storm of swords. Or oh, feast. Yeah. Someone, someone could be reading all of Feast for Crows yeah. in a single night, and all uh, their friends went off to go do... Uh, sexy times and you were the odd man out so you just had feast for crows and a 12 pack of hams that uh one of the uh fornicators bought you because you were underage um what could be sexier than that so you sit in your friend's recliner and smoke cigarettes in your apartment and kill a 12 pack anyway i'm just imagining a hypothetical that could occur (laughs) not describing an actual event yep (laughs) totally hypothetical This was one of my favorite responses. A lot of tea, beer, and vermouth. Hey. How, like, That's respect. very Spanish of you. Yeah, respect. When we were in Spain, there was, a, like, a lot, a lot of, of vermouth. vermouth-centric drinks. Yeah. They like their vermouth there. They love their vermouth We tried Spain. to recreate one of the things we, did, we had at we a tapas did. bar. Yeah, the old, the old granddad, or I think it's called El Yayo, which I think... It's like a, it's like a familiar nickname for granddad. Yeah, I think so. And, um, and it's uh, sweet vermouth. Gin, a little bit of soda water, and lemon, and and came out pretty good. I think it came out okay. I've 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 tried to recreate it before and it came out better, but um, tastes better when you have like tapas. To yeah, eat yeah. It was this amazing place. We've probably talked about it before, but it was this amazing dingy little bar in Madrid that my friend knew to bring us, or my friend who lives there obviously knew to bring us to because yeah. it's like a classic spot. And you basically you just stand and. You get a drink and um, and they give you like olives and sorry, what is it? Anchovies. I don't think they pe- give us anchovies. Peppers. I think they just gave us like nuts and olives. olives yeah. yeah, and, and it, it was perfect. And they have you just like throw the olive pits on the floor. Yeah, it feels it's one of those so places. It's one of it those so places wrong. like the old sawdust bars in mm-hmm, New York, where it's mm-hmm. like you know, or like I forget what it's called, McSorley's, where you get the peanuts and mm-hmm. everyone just throws the shells on the floor. It was a lot like that. Yeah, I felt really wrong doing it, but. When in when in Madrid, one of our listeners said a whole lot of Negronis. Hell yeah! Way to go. We crush Negronis over here after we our love, own heart. We love Negronis. And one of the only gin drinks that I will. Yeah, I know. I even even Winston. Consider. Which, um, if you don't know what a Negroni is, it is equal parts gin, Campari, or uh, the Contrato bitter. If you want to get fancy, or you can use a different kind of amaro if you want, and um, and sweet vermouth again. So vermouth is a theme here. I'm liking it. Yeah, I'm liking an or- it. Orange, a and an orange, orange peel, a little have, orange garnish. Garnish, and are if so you. Inclined. Yes, not necessary, but traditional. <laughs> this was one of my favorite responses. Um, somebody said, "So, so, so much Bud Light lime," <laughs> <laughs> and and then ended ended their their tweet response with, "Oh, also." I had a party recently, and I have a lot of leftover champagne. I was like, I like that spectrum. Popping those bottles. Yeah. I like it. I I also am not too good for flavored Bud Light. I will will say that the Bud Light micheladas, particularly the Bud Mm -hmm. Light Clamato Mm -hmm. juice, Mm -hmm. yes, it's genetically engineered uh, monstrosity water, but it is uh, delicious. Yeah. As, I've heard it's good. Especially if you put a little hot sauce in there. Yeah. Um, but I obviously make your own micheladas, but you know what? Sometimes you're at the mobile and it's like 10 p.m. I mean, you're probably not at the mobile now because of quarantine. But yeah. look, I too went to college. 
and, <laughs> and lived in a part of Brooklyn where only bodega beer was available. Yep. So you make do yep. with what you can. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. I remember, this is a sidebar, but I remember when I first moved into my second apartment in Kensington in Brooklyn, which was a neighborhood where um, there were a lot of Muslim-owned bodegas. Yeah. And I didn't make the connection. So the night that I moved in, um, I was, like, trying to find some beer because I'd been moving all day and neither of my new roommates were home. And so, like, there might have been some alcohol there, but I didn't want to be, like, the person who came in and, like, drank all the alcohol. And you didn't know about that late night grocery store at that time. I didn't know about that at that time. So I, so I just like went around trying to find some beer and none of them had beer. And then I felt really bad because I was like, Oh, I'm sorry. Great halal turkey bacon breakfast sandwich. Oh yeah. That That was was actually one of our first meals together. Yes, it was. (laughs) Uh, Winston, Winston took me to see, uh, Mad Max. I think it was our Mm -hmm. second date. Yeah. And you took me to see Mad Max, and you came to my door with a, a, a bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich in hands, which, which now I know is turkey bacon, but it was still delicious. Right. And the rest, as they say, is history. Get mm-hmm. you a partner that will come to your door with a bacon, egg, and cheese, metaphorically. I was really putting in the effort back then. Yeah, 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 yeah. He I'm hasn't just, done that in a while. I'm just now starting <laughs> to try and pull my weight again. <laughs> no, the other day, you, you brought me wine and chocolate, and a pizza. That's true. Yeah, and that then a... I did the dishes. And then you did the dishes. It was it was great. Guys, quarantine. Quarantine strong. And then last but not least, um, I've, this one I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say who said it because this is also a friend of the show and once in future guest, uh, Anthony Pingera, interestingly said, red wine on the weekends, I think with Shabbat specifically, um, and whiskey on weeknights. I, I like feel your that style so hard, especially yeah. <laughs> as, as a fellow attorney. Weekdays, I don't, I don't drink whiskey on weekdays very often. But if yeah. given the opportunity, I certainly would, mm-hmm. um, because there's nothing like our justice system to make you want to drink angry liquor. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. It makes sense. It makes sense. Okay, cool. So that was what I asked all of you to tell me. And um, and and I'm really pleased to hear that you're you're doing well and drinking well. Okay, before we dive into your questions for me, let me just take a quick break to tell you all about our sponsor for this week, Wink. If you have been thinking about trying out a wine subscription service, there has literally never been a better time. I know that here in New Mexico, all the liquor stores have been shut down, and you don't want to risk getting sick going to the grocery store just to get a bottle of wine. And that's where Wink comes in. Wink has a fabulous selection of wines in all sorts of styles from all over the world. You take a short palate quiz, and Wink's experts will recommend four bottles of wine based on your answers. It's then super easy to switch out, add, or subtract bottles as you would like. There is no monthly fee and no commitment, so you can skip or add shipments as you like. They also have a great assortment of rosés, and you know I love a rosé, and rosé season is just around the corner, so I can't wait to start ordering some of those again. And you know how we were just talking about needing to find wines that are a good value? Not only does Wink offer great wines at low prices, but right now you can get them for even less. $22 less, to be precise, when you go to trywink.com slash pairing podcast. 
But what about the shipping, you say? Well, if you purchase four bottles or more, Wink will cover your shipping costs. And if you're concerned about alcohol delivery and social distancing right now, FedEx is waiving signatures for alcohol at the moment in the wake of the coronavirus. So you do have to be home in order for them to leave the package, but you will not have to sign for it. And you should be home anyway. This is such a stressful time. So alleviate the stress of finding your wine by going to trywink.com slash pairingpodcast for $22 off your first order of wine now. That's T-R-Y-W-I-N-C dot com slash pairingpodcast. And now, back to the show. So then let's get to some of the questions that you asked me. And these are mostly wine-related but I think you'll find this interesting, too, Winston. I'm interested to hear your thoughts on some of these things. All right, guys. Don't fuck this up. Entertain me. Okay. <laughs> um, so our first question, um, big shout-out to our, le- our listener, Emily, who sent me an email, has sent me a couple emails with some questions and really inspired me to get this episode together. So thank you, Emily. Um, and Emily says... I really enjoyed the episodes about different bottle shapes and sizes and about novelty wine labels. I was wondering if there is much historical carryover for labels in terms of wording or logos or the embossing that some bottles have in the same way that bottle shapes have. Great question. And I had to, I had to do a little digging because, yeah, there are definitely, like, certain iconic things on wine bottles or wine labels that mean something about where the wine comes from or something about the wine. Um, and the and there's probably tons to talk about, but the two that came to mind for me are um, Shot Enough to Pop bottles, which are the iconic uh, bottles that have that embossing in the glass itself. What kind of embossing? So it, I'll, I'll talk about it. In, okay, okay. I'll talk okay. about it. I'll talk about it right, right now. My bad. My bad. So it's like it's like in the between the neck. And the nape of the bottle, I suppose. I don't. Okay. Know. I don't actually sure. know what that, that is. There's, there's like the glass has embossing on it, and what it is is in 1937, the union of the owners of the appellation of Chateauneuf de Pop, then chaired by Baron Pierre Leroy Boisemarie. I can't. I. I. Uh, I cannot pronounce French. Um, but. <laughs> So I'm sorry. But he actually created an original bottle, the famous bottle with the embossed logo. The logo symbolizes a papal tiara because Chateauneuf de Pop means, I think, the Pope's house? home or something the like that. Pope's new house. The Pope's new house, which um, I, I have seen fondly re- referred to as the Pope's new crib. <laughs> Um, and that's how I prefer to refer to it. Um, but yes, so... And does that date from when there was a pretender pope in France? Yeah, in Avignon, mm-hmm. I want to say. So um, so there we go. So uh, the logo symbolizes a papal tiara placed above the keys of St. Peter with the inscription Chateauneuf de Pape Contrôlé, written in Gothic letters around the emblem. Since then, the bottle has been around in the world, well-known and recognized. It is one of the ways to promote the wines of the Appalachian and is also a guarantee of authenticity. A defender of viticulture and wine growers, Baron Pierre Leroy de Boisemarie, dedicated 40 years of his life to promoting quality wine, as well as the village and Appalachian of Chateauneuf de Pop around the world. 
Cool. So there you go. So that's the historical reason behind that. Now the next one, I'm gonna I have to pull out my computer for this one because this is Ooh. this is great because I actually didn't know this. But the other one that came to mind, this isn't on the bottle or the wine label per se, but you'll notice um, on a lot of Chianti bottles, there's like a little white strip around uh, like the foil that covers the opening of the bottle. Okay. And on this white strip, there is a little black rooster usually. And I never really thought about it until somebody asked me one day. They were like, what is that black rooster? And I was like... I don't know. But so we're going to talk about that right now. So this this article, oh, by the way, that, that Schottenhoof to Pop information, I believe, is from schottenhoof.org or .com. Hmm. So it's just kind of the, the website for Schottenhoof to Pop. Um, but this is from winescholarguild.org. And uh, it is an article written by Maurizio Brogi. And it is called the Legend of Chianti's Black Rooster, or Galonero. So, the Galonero, Black Rooster, was the historic symbol of the League of Chianti and has become the symbol of the wines of Chianti Classico. So Chianti Classico is like an appellation within Chianti, and it's mm. like supposedly the best part Got of it. Chianti. The Black Rooster symbol is linked to a medieval legend that takes place during the time of open hostilities between Firenze and Siena for control of the Chianti territory. <gasps> In order to end the dispute and finally define the political boundaries between the two cities for once and for all, it was decided that two knights would depart from their respective cities at sunrise and fix the boundary between the two city-states at the point where they met. The rooster's crow at dawn was the signal for the knights to start riding. The Sienneses? Sienneses? Sienese? Sienese? I mean, it, it says Sienneses. Sienneses? Sienneses opted for a white rooster. The Florentines chose a black rooster. This is like the War of the Roses or something mm, here. I see. Yeah. Um, the Florentines kept their rooster in a small, dark chicken coop and did not feed it for days. Come on, Florence. On the day of the ride, once the black rooster was freed, it began to crow well ahead of dawn, allowing the Florentine knight to depart well in advance of the Sienese knight. On a technicality. Oh, my God. Those, Classic. Those, um, those Medicis, man. I know, right? So tricksy. So tricksy. Thanks to his considerable head start, the Florentine knight met his opponent, opponent in Fonterutoli. Fonterutoli? only 12 kilometers from the point of departure of the Sienese night. This allowed Firenze to control nearly the entirety of the Chianti territory. See, what I want to know is, why didn't the Sienese night just, like, bop him over yeah. the head and be like, oh, he uh, fell off of his horse. Yeah, I don't know. If nobody was watching, like, were there observers? Yeah, you know? I don't know. Was there, a, was there a chaser horse, a chaser I night? I don't know. I mean, Siena, you're dealing with Florence here. you got to up your game. Yeah. Okay. I know, I know. Sienna nobody, is great, by the way. This is why you're the name of an operating system in a car, and nobody knows that it, you're actually a city in Italy. Sienna so, is great, is a great city. We didn't go there on our honeymoon, I'm but just, I went there with my best friend. I'm just kidding. By nobody ago. knows about Sienna, I mean I don't know about Sienna, so please ignore me. Sienna's pretty cool. It sounds cool. It's got a really cool piazza mm. that's, like, sloped. Ooh. It's very cool. Um, I drank... Lots of limoncello in that piazza. Hmm. Um, so awesome. So that was that was fun for me 
to learn that because I was like, I knew that the black rooster was the sign of Chianti Classico, but I did not know why. The origins. I did not know the origins. That's really cool. That was pretty cool. Ooh, we're going to say that one for last. Okay. Um, also from Emily, what's a good wine to start someone out with who doesn't drink wine? Great question. That's a question that I get a lot or that I deal with a lot in wine retail. Emily actually suggested, and I agree with this, um, a Prosecco, I think. Yeah, that's pretty easy. Is a good place to start because it's, you know, it's not sweet, sweet, but it's has a little bit of fruitiness to it. Yeah. And so and so it's a little bit it's a little bit more palatable for people who aren't used to wine. Because the thing about wine is like you have to get used to it. Right. Your palate has to like adjust to it. So well, I would actually say if you can find Vino Verde, that's a Vino pretty Verde, good access point. Oh yeah, absolutely. Vino it's Verde got that is effervescence, great. it's kind of sharp. It it tastes more like the kind of spritzy drinks that someone who's not necessarily used to wine might be more familiar with. Yeah. Just the, just and the mouthfeel and the and the taste is a little more Yeah, and it's pretty low accessible. in alcohol, yeah. relatively speaking. So so it, that's another good place to start. Um, in terms of like still wine, um, I tend to, for white wines, I tend to steer more towards Sauvignon Blanc than like a Chardonnay or something like that. Um, some Chardonnays are great, but they're like, they those are the those wines tend to be a little bit actually more complex. And so somebody who's never tasted wine before might be like, oh, I don't know what's going on here. I don't like this. While Sauvignon Blanc has a lot of like, especially from New Zealand, has a lot of like tropical fruit flavors in it and is still really good, but is a little bit more like easy for a, a, a new drinker. Also for me personally, and I think this was just because I saw my dad drink it all the time, but the first wine I kind of got into uh, was Pinot Grigio mm, because mm-hmm, it's was, it was mm-hmm. fairly cheap. It's fairly simple and easy to drink. Um, and it's not quite, you know, it's not two buck chuck, you know, you get yeah. a good bottle for $10 or, totally. you know, good for Pinot Grigio. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's very sort of straightforward, drinkable Italian wine, Italian white wine. Totally. Um, for for red wine, I usually recommend either a, like a Zinfandel or a Malbec because those, I mean, they're going to be drier because red wine typically is drier than white wine um, and it usually has a little more tannin in it. Um, and those, especially Zinfandel, is usually pretty low in tannin and pretty fruity. So... Like when I was first getting into wine, I got really into Zinfandel. Yeah, I um, guess you kind of got to ease into tannic. Yeah, tastes. yeah, you gotta. So. Yeah, it's 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 like anything. You gotta you gotta start start small and then and then work from there. You go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. This is a uh, a question from one of our patrons, Maya. I believe I believe that's how you pronounce it. Your name. If it's not, please correct me. Um, and this is a great question. I'm actually curious why most wines are not considered vegan. I know it might be a little bit of a minefield to tackle, but as a very relaxed and chill person who just doesn't want to consume certain things, who also happens to enjoy her libations. I appreciate that. Word, for yeah. sure. For sure. Does it have to do with the yeast? No. So this is a really interesting thing. And um, if you if you're if you're a little squeamish if you're if you're vegan and you don't want to know this maybe skip this part <laughs> but um, the reason why most wines are not vegan 
Um, I actually don't know if most wines are or are not vegan at this point. Definitely in the past, most were not. Um, and that's because of a process called fining. Um, which is part of the clarification process of wine. Um, so if you heard, like, you'll see on a wine label often, like, unfined and unfiltered. Fil filtration is a little bit easier to wrap my head around, at least, because um, it's like, yeah, you're filtering out, like, some of the junk that is sediment left. Yeah, and... sediment and little this, that, and the other right. thing. Right, gotcha. Fining is sort of like filtration, but instead of, like, filtering it out, you add a fining agent to the wine that kind of kills those things ah. that's as far as as best as i understand it and often finding agents are made from animal products like so animal fat or animal yeah gelatin yeah or... so egg whites gelatin and then this is the gross one um <laughs> a a a product called isinglass or isinglass which comes from fish bladders so uh that was a that was a thing at least for a while that people used to fine wine um so you know uh scientists at uc davis which is where the the big wine enology school is um have found that there are very very small traces left of these organic fining agents in the wine so but basically so if you see a wine that says unfined and unfiltered or just unfined on it chances are that's going to be vegan because I, I have no idea what what an animal product would be used for it other than fining. Um, so if it says unfined on it, it's probably going to be vegan. You have a better chance of it being vegan if it is a quote-unquote natural wine um, just because part of the natural wine process can involve like not fining or filtering the wine. Um, and this is where, this is where it gets tricky because the thing, the problem, the problem is with that, like it, it sounds good in theory. Oh yeah, it's natural. It's unfined. It's unfiltered. And I often really like wines that are unfined and unfiltered, but the winemaker really needs to know what they're doing because otherwise you're going to get some weird stuff left in the wine. Right. It's and not a guarantee of quality. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and usually, you know, really good winemakers will know how to how to make a great bottle of wine without the fining and filtration process. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so that is the short answer, as far as I understand it, on what makes a vegan wine. Hey there, I just wanted to clarify, that's a little wine joke for you, that if a wine is fined, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's not vegan. Winemakers can use inorganic materials, such as activated charcoal, to fine a wine. So yeah, I just wanted to clarify that it's not just wines that say unfined on them that are vegan. There are wines that are fined that are vegan. Okay. And I guess so. meat is right out because it requires honey, which comes from yeah. bees. Yeah, I guess. I know there's, there's non-honey vegans and honey vegans. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to, you know stir up that hornet's nest but if you are uh so to speak if you are a non-honey vegan meaning you would you would eat honey products then uh mead maybe i don't know if they find mead the same way i, I have no idea worth looking into though yeah i don't know what the um plus you get to pretend you're a viking which is cool exactly and also kind of ironic for yeah. a vegan i actually was just talking to my stepbrother uh who raises bees and Very nice. i think he he made some of his own mead which Ooh. if, you know, we weren't going to 
uh, Matt. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of step-siblings. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, Matt and Danya keep bees. Cool. Which is very cool. Bees are awesome. Yeah, I love bees. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so hopefully that answers your question. Um, the, the unfortunate thing is that, you know, most, like a lot of wines, if they, if they are vegan, they like to advertise that. So some wines will say on them like vegan. Um, but unfortunately, like that's a tough thing for me whenever somebody comes in and they're like, I'm a vegan and I'm looking for vegan wine. I have to really like rack my brain about which wines I know are unfined. And so it's it's sort of a tough thing, but you know, I appreciate I appreciate trying to be, you know, responsible in the yeah. in this in this day and age. All right. So on to the next one. Oh, this is a this is a great question too. This is from Michael Beck, um, our patron and and a good good friend on the internet. And uh hope you feel better, Michael. And Michael says I'm really interested in what defines a wine as opposed to any other alcohol, especially when it's made with things other than just grapes. It's never been clear to me, though, to be fair, that applies to all alcohol as well. Um, great question, because, because you know, you'll see things like, you know, fruit wines. Yeah, and there's apple wine apple and wine. barley wine. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, yeah. and, like, dandelion wine. Yeah. So basically... This is possibly, I'm, I may not be giving you the full answer, but it just, it basically has to do with the fermentation process. So wine, you know, at this point, culturally, if we just say wine, we understand that it's made from grapes. Um, and usually if it's made from something else, that is clarified, like apple wine, berry wine, and barley wine. part of winemaking the mast? No, that's that's beer. That's beer. Oh, okay. Yeah. Never mind. So um, go on without me. Well, no, Save no, yourselves. no, no. We'll come. We'll come. We'll come back to that. But so, but so, wine is is basically any sort of alcohol that undergoes a very simple fermentation process. So basically, like all that needs to happen technically to make wine is that like a juice of something ferments and turns into alcohol. Um, or part part of it ferments and turns into alcohol. Now, in reality, it's usually a little bit more complex than that, but wine is technically one of the simplest fermentation processes, as far as I understand it. And then, but to talk about what you were just talking about with beer, so beer is made by brewing, so you make that mash. There is boiling involved. Yes, there is boiling involved. Um, You have to add yeast to it. With wine... Um, you often winemakers do add yeast to do something with the fermentation process, but it's not necessary. So like a lot of wines will say only natural yeast use. So whatever yeast exists within the grapes and the grape juice. As opposed to brewer's yeast. Exactly. Exactly. So, um, but a lot of wine I think does add brewer's yeast to it. But so, yeah, so beer is made with a slightly more complex process and, um, and then there's the difference between ales and lagers. Oh gosh, which I'm going to forget. I know one is top fermentation and one is bottom fermentation. Well, I know lagers involve like an extended cooling process Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because lagers are traditionally one of the more difficult beers to brew at home because they require this extensive cooling and re- Re whatevering that they yeah. have to do. I'm Be- gonna look this up just real quick because I don't want to get it wrong. Ales versus lagers. 
Yells versus Loggers 2020. <laughs> Listen um, to us as we Google things. <laughs> uh, well, I just don't want... It's not my specialty. Okay, so yeah, it has to do with the yeast. So ales and lagers are each made using different strains of yeast. Simply put, lagers are brewed using bottom-fermenting strains of yeast held at colder temperatures, while ales are brewed with a top-fermenting yeast that operates at a warmer temperature. So that's what that means if you hear, like, bottom fermentation versus top fermentation um, in beer. And it's also behind the statement that a lot of brewers will make, which is that if the beer's not good warm, mm-hmm. it's not good beer. Yeah. Which obviously that's a whole different thing when as it comes to lagers. But sure. if it's an ale or an IPA or a farmhouse or anything like that, I've heard from several different brewers that you should be able to drink the beer at room temperature and the way it was traditionally served right. all over the place and still have it taste good. Right. I don't know that that actually is true for most of the award-winning, like, yeah, ales and knows? IPAs and whatnot, but um, that is that is a maxim I have heard. There, there you go. Um, and then, just to not leave spirits out of it, spirits are distilled alcohol. Um, so, because alcohol has a lower boiling point than water, distillers can evaporate the alcohol mostly by itself, collect all the vapors in a tube, and use cold temperatures to force the alcohol to condense back into liquid, um, which is why it's a, it, you know, you have to put a lot in to get a little out, which is why spirits are usually so much more expensive than wine and beer. And, and so it's why you, those copper stills have yeah. those big long necks. Yeah. And to, those are the. It's part of that cooling process. Yeah. Right? And I'd be happy to go into it. I'd happy to be happy to do more research and go into like the distillation processes. More, I don't have the knowledge right now. Like I've been to, you know, yeah. we, you know, we went to some yeah. bourbon distilleries. If you've been so. on a distillery tour, you yeah. know as much as we do. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and spirits can be made from anything pretty much. So you can, you can make spirits from fruit. You can make spirits from, uh, grains, obviously, um, within, then within certain spirits, then there are rules about what you can do. So like bourbon, you know, obviously has a bunch of rules. Scotch has rules. Vodka can be whatever the fuck. Um, (laughs) vodka can actually be made from pretty much anything. Um, gin obviously made mostly from botanicals, um, tequila from agave. So, you know, it, within the, the umbrella of spirits, there's there's a lot to talk about. But one thing I wanted to mention um, is brandy, because, for example, brandy is basically distilled wine. So brandy is made from grapes. Does that count as a fortified wine? No. Okay. Often brandy is used to fortify fortify wine oh, I see. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah okay. so so it is it is an al- it is a spirit so but it's basically you know it it's it's wine that then undergoes this process basically. a distillation the process. distillation process cool. yeah and again that can also be made from just about anything so there's pear brandy apple brandy right that's true i should i should specify talking about like cognac and armagnac those are made from grapes but also so. like in the bootleg tradition in addition to just making moonshine, um, a lot mm-hmm. of dis- uh, moonshiners would also make apple brandy. Oh, my God. Remember that one episode of Moonshiners that you showed me when we were <laughs> yeah. in an airboat? Man, hotel? Tickle, Tickle was tickle. not keeping it together. Tickle, man. Tickle, buddy. We're worried about yeah, you. Yeah. <laughs> All the best. 
anyway. And then I just wanted to mention last, this is not necessarily all the types of alcohol there are in the world because people keep finding new ways to get drunk. But, um, but sake is really interesting. Um, I wanted to mention sake because colloquially a lot of people call it rice wine, but in terms of the process of how it's made, it's much closer to beer, even though the end product is kind of closer to wine, um, depending on the sake. It, uh, the way it's made, it's not exactly like beer, but it's closer to that process. So uh, usually you'll, you'll hear like sake brewers because they are technically doing a kind of brewing process. And this is um, a huge generalization on my part, but the way I kind of understand it in my head is that the world of, of alcohol creation can basically be divided into the agrarian alcohols mm-hmm. and the engineering alcohols. Mm-hmm. And sake and whiskey and beer, to me, are much more like artisanal in terms of like, this is an engineering problem mm. that mm. we're using these mechanisms to solve. Whereas wine, again, you said the, the fermentation yeah. process is simpler. Yeah. What is more determinative of what makes a good wine is going to be your terroir. Your terroir it's going to be your soil, the... your pH, all that stuff. Right, Whereas right. once you've got the hops and the malt and things out of the ground for the yeah. beer, it really has to do with your particular chemical combination yeah. and your particular engineering setup. Uh, in terms of the differing qualities in those in those art house beers and also in sakes because yeah. it really has to do with you know how much they polish the rice and what kind of though water would, and all that well, stuff. Well, though I would say like similar to terroir with wine, a lot of sake is supposedly very much about the water oh, okay. where it, where yeah, where it's from. Again, huge generalization. So, I'm speaking out of my butt. Yeah, yeah. Whole. I think I think there's a little I think there's a little bit of overlap in everything but i do think you're right that beer at least as it is now especially with the rise of like craft breweries and stuff like right. that it is very much about how you how you right. kind of manufacture yeah. the... like it matters what kind of hops you use but it doesn't necessarily matter if the cascade hops you get are grown where there's also an apple orchard right you know right Maybe as far, it does. As far as, as, I, know, far as I, know, I know, I, could I don't. Be I don't wrong. actually know. I don't actually know. Yeah, by all means, correct us. Yeah, I have. I you know, we've got lots of friends who know way more about beer than I do, but um, so they could talk. They could talk more about that. But um, but yeah, and you know, like with bourbon, you know, like the water is supposed to be very important as yeah. well as the white oak. Right. Well, yes. Um, charred white oak barrels. Charred white first first use. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly wasteful. But thank goodness. Not the, that the, wasteful because scotch. I know, I know. <laughs> um, you're welcome, you're, Scotland. Yeah, yeah, Scotland. Where's my episode of Outlander? Yeah, I know. <laughs> Fuck. Okay, there's one last question, and I believe this is also from Emily, and I wanted to save this for last because this is one that you can contribute to as well, Winston. And Emily says, I don't remember if you did anything like this in your D&D episode, but what wines would you pair with different character classes in D&D? And so you've been really into uh, doing some character creation recently, so I thought... We could we could go through and and see if we could come with, come up with. I remember I had done some thinking about this. I don't think I talked very much about it in the episode with Eric um, in our D and D episode. See if I can pull up my notes from that. I'm so prepared, guys. It's a it's a global pandemic. 
Cut me a little slack. Sometimes <laughs> I gotta. Well, let's see. I think for fighters, barbarians, mm-hmm. and rangers, maybe mm-hmm. that Sangiovese is a good grape. Ooh. This is your blood of Jupiter. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe even for your paladins too, although paladins might be a little more shishi. Mm, paladin, yeah. And either not yeah. drinking at all or drinking like I don't know, um, like communion wine. Oh, I did. I did come up with some ideas. I think your sorcerers and your wizards are going to be your Pinot Noir more. Okay. Uh, your cleric is going to ni- like a nice uh, Chablis, or uh, or. Or a Grunewaldlina, mm. you know, a nice white wine. Interesting. You're you're saying a lot of the same grapes that I like thought of for uh-huh. for for classes, but I did it differently. <laughs> Got it. Uh, rogue is going to be Merlot because uh, rogue can uh, you know they'll they'll drink whatever whenever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, bard bard is any alcohol someone else pays for. <laughs> <laughs> Monk is probably uh, either Trappist beer, or um, or the kind of wine that monks make. Which well, this this varies. I think that's the one that I did talk about in the episode, and so I gave monks Chablis because mm-hmm. Chablis is particularly known for the Cistercian monks who lived there and made wine there. Got it. Um, got it. So they so they do have a a history of. Of winemaking, so. and druids be cray. So like you know, they they're, they're drinking blueberry wine, and blackberry oh, man, wine, apple brandy. They're just um, crazy. Fun fact: in our in our campaign that Winston DMs, um, I play a druid uh, named Juniper Ponderosa, and well, I think I still have actually. I gotta remember this. I still have a bunch of juniper berries. In oh my, yeah, in my gotta make some gin. Gotta make some gin. And barbarians would also obviously drink mead. Yeah. Right. Okay, let's see. Are there any others that you didn't mention? I think you... Warlocks I didn't did really do. Did you do Ranger? I, did, I, I sort of lumped Ranger in with Fighter and Barbarian. Oh, okay, and you said no, uh, uh, Sangiovese for them? Okay. Yeah, because they're the, the bloody classes. Got it, got it. Um, your Warlock, I don't... I don't. You know, Warlock, I want to say, like, um, real champagne region champagne. Ooh, I think the warlock, the warlock's reach always exceeds his or her grasp, mm, mm. and so there's a certain social climbing element to the whole patronage system that I think that I think re- just really expensive. In the same way, a bard will drink anything someone else pays for. I think the warlock wants the wine to be a reflection of status more than taste, and uh, that's what I'm going I with. I like that. I like that. Okay, so this is what I came up with like over a year ago <laughs> for this episode, um, for for the D and D episode, but didn't really talk about. Um, for barbarian, I said Cabernet Franc. Oh. Um, a little, a little funky, a little weird, a little mm. earthy, because barbarians, you know, they got that rage mode. Right. So they can just be like, "Whoa, I'm and crazy!" And they sometimes probably smell pretty ripe. Yeah, yeah, and ca- some Cab Francs are like really funky. They smell pretty bad. Um, <laughs> um, for bards, I said Riesling, Viognier. Yeah, I put question sure, marks there. I think Riesling is good for a bard. Yeah, I, I like both I of like, those. But I like, bard. yeah, exactly. Kind of. Well, I like, I yeah, I like your your whatever somebody else will pay for. <laughs> um, that rock and roll life. Yes. Hams. Um, <laughs> hams. Um, clerics. I said red burgundy or Pinot Noir. I think that feels right because clerics are kind of 
lofty mm-hmm. and and uh you know kind of elegant though not our cleric no. <laughs> i've never i've never played as a cleric or with a cleric other than our friend who is playing a dwarf cleric named harry <laughs> um but but yeah i, I i'll take that was okay. Um, for druids, I said obviously biodynamic wines. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, specifically Menthea. Menthea. M- Menthea from Spain. Hmm. Often made biodynamically. Hmm. Also also delicious. Um, I love Mencias. Spiders, I gave Cabernet Sauvignon because it's strong and tough. All right. Um, monks, Shibli, talked about that. I like that one. Um, Paladin. Paladin, I wrote Bordeaux. Paladins also are kind of a mystery to me because I've never played with paladins. But I, I, Bordeaux is a it's a possibility, or maybe more like a Beaujolais, because mm. I feel like paladins are kind of like understated a little bit. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that, or they're like Dudley Do Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Either Bordeaux or Beaujolais. Rangers, I gave Nebbiolo. For a very spe- specific reason, which is that um, I paired Nebbiolo with Aragorn in oh, our yeah, that's consistent <laughs> in in our Lord of the Rings episode. If you go back to that, rogues, I gave them rosé because you know because they're crazy. Yeah, because they're they go against the grain. Um, I think Sangiovese is good for rogues too. Um, if you take out the blood of Jupiter thing, yeah, Sangiovese is just kind of like a fun, fun, sexy wine. Um, though I gave Sorcerer's Brunellos, which is also made from Sangiovese, and I'm, I'm, I'm down with that. Um, Warlocks, I gave Grunavatlina. 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 Um, not sure why. Because <laughs> it sounds vaguely it sounds sinister vaguely and evil, German. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you have to say it like, Grunavatlina! Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and then Wizards, I gave Syrah. Huh. And I think that's a good one. That feels right. That feels right to me. So you've got our different takes, um, and I I don't know which one is more right. I don't I don't there think is, either one. There is no there is no right. Yeah. There is no wrong. Well, is that our last question? I think that was our last question. Well, hey everybody, stay safe, stay warm. Yeah. And uh, please take stay care happy. of yourselves. Yeah. And until next time. Yeah. Until next time, please Cheers. stay 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 good. Be good. He has a plastic cup. <laughs> Pairing was created, hosted, and produced by Emma Sherjarko, with music and audio recording by Winston Shaw and logo artwork by Darcy Zimmerman and Katie Huey. This episode was edited by Emma Sherjarko. Follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Pairing Podcast to keep tabs on what we're up to. And feel free to send us any thoughts, questions, requests, and pairings of your own on our website, thepairingpodcast.com, via email at pairingpodcast at gmail.com, or on any social media platform. Come check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash pairingpodcast, where you can pledge as little as $1 a month and get access to exclusive content, customized pairings from me, live streams, and more. Also, check out our merch store on our website at thepairingpodcast.com slash merch. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing with your friends. Thank you so much for listening to Pairing, where you come for the stories and stay for the wine. <laughs>